Welcome to Islamic Life Coach School Podcast. Apply tools that you learn in this podcast and your life will be unrecognizably successful. Now your host, Dr. Kamal Akhtar. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Peace and blessings be upon all of you. In all my previous podcasts, I've described different concepts. Life-altering concepts, if I might add. And I've given education with different perspectives combining Islamic teachings and science. You are living in a world with a sea of information just floating around you. While you are learning all these concepts, especially in this podcast, that are particularly processed into bite-sized digestible information, and you have all of this information coming from all different sources in the world, I truly appreciate you being here and giving me your time and attention. But ironically enough, it's not just about learning. Information does not lead to transformation. If that was the case in this age of information, we would all be enlightened individuals. Information alone is just making your intellect sharp. When it comes to implementation, you need an entire new set of muscles. (laughs) And those are the muscles of implementation. Eudaimonia is a Greek term where the philosopher called it the journey to fulfillment. It was commonly translated as happiness and welfare, but more accurately, it means human flourishing, prosperity, and blessedness. And to achieve all of that, you need implementation, not just information. And so for that implementation itself, we have coaching. I have a very successful program with one-on-one coaching and a package of workbooks and group coaching that I offer to professional Muslim women that are looking to find their highest level of success and productivity. And yes, if you are a professional homemaker, you qualify. (laughs) That's one of the toughest professions. So whatever you learn here, implement it. And if you get stuck, get coaching. The way I see it is that this transformation journey might take you six months, or if you're taking the learning super slowly, then it might take you a year. That is much shorter than any professional degree out there. And learning how to manage your mind is much more important than any other degree because without harnessing control of your mind, you can have as many certificates and degrees and as much money as you like. Without mind management, you could still be withering away inside. You will have true potential. You have true genius. You can do hard things. You can do the impossible when you harness that powerhouse that is your mind and body. That combination is the fiercest weapon a human can have. Gain control over it. So the way I see it, you can spend the next six months contemplating or you can spend it in transformation. Six months will pass regardless. What would you have gained? When I was looking to get out of this rut, I was fed up with my inner state of turmoil and I was always feeling resentment, regret, In that state, I resorted to devouring all and any piece of information that I could get my hands on. I was reading up to four books a week. I was taking courses, live and virtual. I was watching documentaries, lectures. Any kind of input I could get my hands on, I was consuming. All of that was tons of information, but no implementation. Not surprisingly, it didn't lead to any change in my condition. Then, during that quest, I found life coaching, and it was the biggest aha moment for me. It was night and day, and with that transformation, I promised myself 
that I will get this message out to as many people as I possibly can. So here I am today, a certified life coach. Alhamdulillah. And I'm bringing this transformation to you. You literally just have to be willing to take it. That willingness to change is the key component here and a prerequisite. You do not have to agree to my coaching philosophy. You just have to agree to listen to whatever is available to you. You have to look at the reality outside of what your brain is creating. Breaking news here, what your brain tells you is not the ultimate reality. So after my whole transformation phase, if you're under the impression that I might have slowed down my rate of book consumption, you were right. Now I only read three books a week <laughs> instead of the usual four. <laughs> I can't give that up. I love books. My external actions like book reading, my career, my family time might have remained the same, but my internal state is totally different. I'm in a pace of tranquility and peace. I'm comfortable with my decisions and I'm confident in my own skin. I know how to pay attention to cues that my body is sending me and I know how to alter my internal state, independent of what's happening outside of me. I know how to take command of that internal dialogue. With this work, I'm not in a fight and flight mode constantly. I am not eternally waiting for the next shoe to drop. I am not in a continual state of fear, not living under a gray cloud. I know instantly when I'm falling into the traps of that negative thought loop, and I know how to break free. And when I can't break free, I get coaching. As an independent, strong, intellectual woman, there is a lot you can do, but there is also a lot that you cannot do by yourself. And that includes not being able to see your own negativity bias, at least initially. A negativity bias is when a negative thought causes a disproportionately larger response in the body compared to a positive thought. Any kind of bias itself is difficult to see unless we get training on it, which includes our willingness to let someone else point it out to us. People think that negativity bias only applies to external stimuli. We gave a presentation, 20 people praised it, but one person criticized it. We will dwell on the criticism a lot longer and a lot harder compared to the praise. We will actually usually just forget the praise. Your own negative internal self-talk has the same effect on you. That constant state of self-criticism put-downs, self-reproach, and remorsefulness are all your own negativity bias. Each of these thoughts weigh heavily on your emotional state and they perpetuate further negative thoughts. Consider this. Seemingly benign, quick, fleeting thoughts like, I have been lazy, I'm an anxious person, I'm not confident, I'm not that smart, I'm impatient, I can't keep up with my prayers, all of these thoughts on repeat, especially through negativity bias, over years become our identity. When the experience first occurs, you might feel sad or angry reflexively. It might be a transient feeling. You can try to shrug that feeling off, which is actually the suppression of an emotion, which is not a good choice, I might add. 
From that state of suppressed feeling of sadness, your subconscious will start to gather more evidence for you to be sad about everything else in your life. And your brain will do it so efficiently that you'll think that everything that your subconscious presents to you is a fact. And again, you guessed it, it happens because of an unmanaged mind. From this extra evidence that your mind has now gathered, all the reasons for you to be more sad. This is done through the effect of priming, and your sad mood will start to last longer. It will start to come more frequently, until it becomes a temperament. And you go from saying, I'm feeling sad today, to I've been sad lately. You'll justify your actions trying to shake it off, but it will linger. Then those months will turn into years, and you tell yourself that you've become depressed. You identify as a sad person in general. You tell yourself, I'm an easily triggered person. You tell yourself that I'm sad despite of my efforts because of all of the things that are happening in my life, and it becomes your personality. You don't intellectually know how you got here and how to consciously get out of it. Disclaimer here, this is different than the diagnosis of major depression. I'm not telling you that you do or do not have depression. I'm telling you that there's a trend most of us follow when we form these personality traits of being anxious, stressed, or sad. That was the trend I was following. With just a little bit of effort, we can bring these patterns into awareness. And with a little bit of practice, we can actually break these patterns. So really, you guys, any kind of self-reflective work that helps you gain this awareness, start doing it today. If you need a coach, get a coach. But start somewhere. Coaching is life-changing. I have had a very successful career, alhamdulillah. Beautiful family, alhamdulillah. Hobbies, support. I have no reason to be doing what I do as a life coach, except that I believe in it so much that if I think I can change one life, convince one person to start this introspection journey, I would choose to think that I have fulfilled my life's purpose. That's how important it is to me. Now, did you guys notice what I did there? I said I will choose to think that it's my life's purpose because all thoughts are choices. I chose this thought because it serves me. There was a little subliminal messaging right there for you guys. <laughs> I wanted this podcast to emphasize how important I think this work is, and I wanted to dedicate this one whole podcast to this because I don't want to burden your prefrontal cortex with a different piece of knowledge or information. <laughs> so today it's going to be about implementation, not just information. Start by writing down what you're thinking. Reflect on it. If you need help, go to our website islamiclifecoachschool.com and there you'll find a free downloadable guide to start this process and learn how to actually observe your thoughts. The workbook describes the CTFR model in detail and it takes you through the process step by step. Brene Brown calls this journey of introspection rumbling. Mental health professionals, religious scholars, and other people who have found this journey to be fulfilling and enlightening are always inviting others to start this process. I don't think there's anybody in the world who has figured out a way to make it easy. But that's because that's one of the promises that Allah makes to us. 
This journey will not be easy, but it will be rewarded, inshallah. Keep asking questions until you get an answer that satisfies you. Keep inquiring until you find a method that helps you make sense of your life and how you can make it a flourishing life, a eudaimonia state. Which, by the way, is not everlasting. When you lose that eudaimonia, then you get to start the journey again. And you get to keep going until you are called to the next life. And inshallah, when we are in paradise, Allah promises us that there will be no feelings of anxiety and grief. But until then, we have thought work, rumbling, introspection to do, to deal with all of these feelings of anxiety and grief. And we rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us in this journey. And we make dua that He give us the fruit of our labor. Since you didn't learn any brand new topic this time around, you get to take this information and apply it. Promise me you'll start. If you already do this work, you'll up-level your game. I challenge you to see where you are in six months. Write down what your state is now and write down where you are in six months. Put it in your calendar. Tell your friends and family to help hold you accountable. These coming six months will pass regardless. Implementation is a way to make sure that they count. Count towards your mental health. I challenge you, and you should challenge yourself. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you fruit of all of your labor, especially of that of you seeking mental health. I will talk to you guys next time. Hey, are you thinking about coaching? I invite you to a complimentary consultation with me where I can help you define the solution to your problem. Regardless if you choose to work with me in the Empowered Muslim Women program or not. So you really have nothing to lose. Access the appointment link through the show notes and inshallah I will see you there.